Because I will say in this people in this career, I for years with my children, I feel like I was so busy trying to save other people's families. Yeah, come on. My kids pay for it. And I think we have yep. to talk about that. I was dragging them with me to stuff they did not want to do with our children. But I, I missed a lot of moments. I missed a lot of stuff. And I have to be honest to say for years, I put my job before my family. I got divorced. I couldn't deal with it. We weren't even, we were separated. I couldn't deal with it. And so I put myself into work that I had a 10 year old son that was at home by mm-hmm. himself for two hours after school, struggling, getting in trouble, doing things. But I couldn't even, I was, I was broken. And yeah. so when I'm broke, what we do, we work instead of deal with it. And yes. I did all that almost on the backs of my children. And that, and I had to repent for that. Welcome to the Prophetic Justice Podcast, where we talk with people who love God and work across a variety of social justice professions. I'm Tatiana Burgum, and I'm on a mission to learn from my fellow peers in the field about how God speaks to them and the impact it has on their work. Let's take a look at social justice through a supernatural lens. everyone. I am so excited that you're joining us today. Um, In today's episode, we are going to be speaking with Deanna Kirk, the founder of an organization called Divine Connections, Inc., and also Deanna Kirk Enterprises, which is a bookkeeping and consulting business for small businesses. And she is also the author of Nothing Ever Wasted, which you can find on Amazon. She also co-hosts Mornings in the Word podcast, which you can find wherever podcasts air, um, but also on Apple Podcasts. And she is the executive director of Annie's House of Refuge and Restoration, which is a housing program for homeless BIPOC mothers in northern Minnesota. So today we'll be discussing support for young mothers and God's purpose for family and moms. So thank you so much, Deanna, for joining. It is really an honor to have you with me on the show this morning. Thank you for um, having me. I'm really excited to have this uh, conversation. So I'm happy to be here. I guess, should we give uh, listeners a little bit of background of how you and I came to know one another? It's been a few years now that we've known of each other. Right. And I, I think it's really been the last year when then I contacted yeah. you. Come check out the house. Yes. And so what's amazing is that I had, it had been on my Heart. I mean, we have some amazing organizations in our area um, who work with young moms, but there really was not a whole lot specific for women of color. And so that was just a need that I think all of us in the service field were seeing, but I did not know that you were out there doing it and that someone, I think at that time you were fairly newer to Annie's house was just starting and bringing people in. Then I heard about you and I instantly was like, I have to get, I have to reach out to you. I have to (laughs) talk with you and just come and see the house. So that was initially how it all started. From there, you know, I was also thinking, I don't think we talk a whole lot about our faith when we are in this field. And so I, I feel like it took a while for us to kind of connect the dots that we were both people of faith. And that (laughs) is always an interesting like line to walk sometimes. Right. Because, you know, I think when you, like when we first met, it was more about, I knew what your work you were doing around sex trafficking. I was opening this house for homeless BIPOC young moms. And, and so I think we ended up, we kind of jumped right into that. And that, but when you think about it, 
looking around my office, there's scriptures, there's this and there's and there's that. I think you approached me about um having Bible studies at the house with the girls. Yes. I think that's yes. first yes. Yeah. You know, then we kind of end up doing the Bible study. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had looked up at your I looked up your website and then I realized, oh my goodness, like you have written a book, and you also have this podcast and it's all based on your like experiences, your story and your faith. And so mm-hmm. um I was like I I definitely wanted to dig deeper into that beyond our professional lives. And so um could you share a little bit about if you don't mind like what your book is about because it is absolutely amazing. And then also whatever you want to share or would be open to sharing about kind of what has brought you to this point of being in Duluth, Minnesota. <laughs> Cuz you came here for a purpose as well, which I find amazing. You know, I was raised in the church and but I was uh, I was also kind of violated as a child. And so by 12 years old, I had my first baby. Um and by 14, we were in Texas. By 14 years old, we moved to uh, Minnesota. I ended up putting, um, going into foster care because my mother was going back to her abuser, which was, had also been my abuser. And so um, by 16, I found myself homeless with a four-year-old and all the things. But I was still able to you know, graduate from college. I ended up in a transitional housing program. I was still able to got, you know, graduate from high school, college, all the things. And so when I reflected back on that, um, after my mom had passed away in 2020, I kind of reflected back, like, what made me different? How did I still, how did I make it out with this whole story that I had? And I realized it was more like these divine connections, these people that I had around me, which I had ended up writing my book. I believe I wrote my, I started writing that book in like 2017. Um, I finished it in 2019 after my father overdosed. I realized it was just this, these different people throughout my life. Now, I was raised in the church, but it was actually, I had been violated. And at 10 years old, I told my friend at the church, right? And her mama happened to be one of the busy, busy, <laughs> one of the biggest gossipers at the church. So then the whole church knew. And my mom had just gotten married. She had been with him for years, but they had just gotten married. And I remember the pastor bringing me into the office when my mom, she was like, what do I do? And he said that I should have said something earlier, but now she was to stay married because that was her husband. And so I, I remember my first Mother's Day in the church and being 12. And I, I feel like it was the first time they did it, but I can't guarantee it. But they had like the youngest mother of the church and the oldest mother of the church stand up. And I had just had my son like on May 2nd. So I think he was only like a week or two old. And I remember Aww. just being so embarrassed having to stand up and come to the front of the church. And, and so I, you know, I really, when I, when we got here, by the time I was 14, like I was done with the church mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and it was mainly about the people, unfortunately. And so yeah. just the whole, the book is just about that whole story. But then, and then realizing that even when I didn't want to have a relationship with God, he still had a relationship with me and how he used these divine connections throughout my life to protect me, to carry me forward, to keep me going. Um, even when I didn't, you know, and so and so it talks about that. And it talks about how I learned different aspects of him throughout my life when things happen. You know, when when I got divorced, when my businesses failed, you know, you learn that you learn that he is your protector, your provider. When you lose everything, and you know, that's when I met Jehovah yeah. God, my comforter. Um, yeah. when, you know, when I had lost. And so that's kind of what it's about that it helped me realize that nothing was ever wasted because my whole career. 
I ended up being 16 years old in that transitional housing program here in Minnesota. And, I, and by the end, when I left in 07, I was the executive director, had developed housing, had did housing for other homeless, battered women. And so then I ended up being a housing authorities in Dallas and North Carolina. And so I've always worked with this community of, of women, of young moms, of homeless people disadvantaged who had had similar stories than mine. So you always, so I realized at that point that nothing was ever wasted. You know, when I really reflected back over my life, like why me, I realized I had to go through all that because of the people that I was called to because of my purpose. You know, why am I passionate about this? It's because I've been called to, to be a part of the solution and to help other people. And so that really, I had to change my perspective and I had a situation, I think my son was like four years old, my youngest son. And by, you know, I have two kids, two bonus kids and five amazing grandsons. And so, um, but my, it was my youngest son was born and I had, was on a flight to Mexico. I got into it with my husband, me and my friends went. And I remember the plane, they said like the wing had broke or something. And I remember just telling God, God that if you save me, I will serve you forever. Wait, the wing broke on the plane in the air? It didn't come off, but it broke above the water. And we had to turn around to make it back. And it was was so scary. I can't imagine. And so I just remember saying, Lord, if you you save me, I'll serve you forever. Because I had been raised in the church, so it was in me. I knew who he was. I was just felt like at that point I was angry. And I was in my early 20s. I had to be about 24, 25. And I, and he did. And I remember that Sunday, it was, it was a positive, it was Pastor Foy was here. He's a preacher here in Duluth. The people know that passed away. And it was kind of a positive Sunday. And I remember just running to that altar and just crying. Like, even though he was preaching, I was crying. I just gave my life to Christ yeah. that day and been running with him ever since. And, you know, we've had some bumps in the roads. Don't get me wrong, especially, mm-hmm. you know, after my uh, father had passed away, overdosing the next year, my mom was murdered by family members. So it was hard. I'm like, okay, God, mm-hmm. you know, and that's after I had wrote this book about, you know, nothing is ever wasted. Yeah. And so it's like, is it still, but I still believe it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's I think just what it's about. It's just about the journey. That's amazing. That's amazing. What a powerful story. And you know what I think um, we also don't talk about enough is that when we have those situations and we tell God, like we have, we all, everyone has moments where it all comes to a head and you're just, you give it all to God or you don't. And so the interesting part about those moments is that's when Satan attacks us the hardest. He hits us the hardest and, um, hearing your story and you went to the altar and then years to follow, you had heartbreak after heartbreak and loss after loss. And how did that, how did you come out of that with with your faith intact because that is not that's not something you just walk away from you know and you don't have questions about you know like how did you walk through that with God if you don't mind me asking yes you know I went through some things I remember you know separating from my husband and I remember that's been really hard but I was in Texas and I ended up at a great church and the church really kind of helped me heal and so I had some questions my relationship actually got stronger. I, I got to know myself more. And so I was like, okay, you know, God helped me through that. We came out on the side, we made it. But having, I, I call it a TKO when my dad passed away in 2019 in February. And then a year later, my mom did. 
I was, I had a lot of, you know, we used to say that thing. Well, people still say, you know, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And I remember my friends, they were trying to tell me that God was still good. And I was like, no, I can't say that. And and that song was out, you know, all my life you have been faithful, all my life you have been so, so good. And I used to, I loved that song, but I couldn't even sing it. Yeah anymore yeah. and I, yeah. I couldn't even pray I was just I was so heartbroken I was heartbroken I was angry you know and a big part of that is that because me and my mom had had a situation where she had went back to her ex-husband and back to the person who had violated me and that was really hang so we it had kind of put us apart yeah. and I always and I even wrote this in the book and I'm when I revise it I'm going to say I used to say that no one can rush you to forgive Right. That we, we are required to forgive. But I used yeah. to believe that, you know, you can't be rushed. This, the reconciliation cannot be rushed. Right. Yeah. So you forgive immediately, but reconcile in your own time. That showed me that if it's somebody like your parents or sibling, somebody that you ever plan on reconciling with, that no man knows. Right. The day of the hour. I knew this, but it made it real. And that you need to reconcile immediately. So me and my mom and I even talked about we were in this process of slowly kind of reconciling together. And I was in ministry school and I was raising one of my grandsons. And so my mom would come over and watch him every week while I went to ministry school. And so we still had these relationships around our kids, like yes. my sons, like yeah. we had, but it wasn't the relationship we had. Like this, we had this so much work and have forgave each other. But I thought I had plenty of time. I'm just taking this slow because I'm trying to figure out mm-hmm. how to still have her be my mom while she's now his husband. It was, she was gone, you know? Yeah. And so I was grateful that we had took the steps and had the conversations and stuff like that, but we were not where I want, had wanted to be for the last, that last couple of years. And so I was very angry at God. I was so angry at God and myself, you know, yeah. and it was a long, it was months and I, I don't know how much, maybe six months, but the, I had, it got to a place where I realized that God was the only one that could heal me. Yeah. I was raising my grandson. He needed me miserable. I was angry. I was sad and I wanted to come out of it, you know, cause people, you know, people are there at first when you lose somebody, but then they have to move on with their own yes. lives and do their own stuff. Yes. And, and, and then you change and who wants to be around that all the time? I didn't even want to be around me. So I just blame <laughs> those that. people, you know, and yeah. I remember just being in my prayer closet because I, I couldn't pray. I couldn't praise. And I talk about this thing, like in different seasons of my life, I figured out how I could access my source. So some seasons my source was praying. Some seasons my source in some seasons my source is praising yeah. or worshiping or reading this word. So, but I could always find a source, at least one. Yes. And I, I, tell, I always tell people, I know people say you should be doing it all, but there's some season where you can't do no, it. No, you just can't. Or you just don't have the time, but find one, right? Yeah. And I was... I couldn't, none of it. I couldn't do nothing. I couldn't speak. I couldn't talk. I couldn't do anything, but I, but I learned a new source and I just fell out. I remember just falling out in my prayer closet and that's all I could do. I I, I fell out and I cried and I realized I was like, Lord, you are the only one that can heal me. You know what I mean? You are the only one that can heal me because I don't want to stay like this. I don't want to feel like this. I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm angry. No, I'm angry. But I, and that's when I really learned that he was like the lily in the valley because that's exactly. And so, you know, and I just really, mm, I really just had, and it reminds me of like, 
little kids, especially like toddlers and where they might be in trouble and they're mad at you and they're crying or, if you know, if they, you know, got a spanking or do mm-hmm. whatever, they're mad, but they only want you. You know, they're crying and they're mad. You're the one who did it, but, they, but you are the only one that can fix it. And that's yes. exactly how I felt. And I remember just, and so I, I did that probably for a month. And and then I could, I got, I went from crying to writing to speaking. And slowly he just healed me like the remaining part of that year. That's that, so that, beautiful because God really does. I mean, it's amazing how when we think of deliverance and healing, it can, it can just be listening. It can just be having it can just be crying. It can just, I think, like you said, it's like, find the source, find the source of what is going to deliver you in this season. And sometimes it's not going up front, getting all the prayer, casting out the demons. It is literally just crying out to God on your floor, in your closet. (laughs) Like that is deliverance and God works through that. And that's amazing. That's amazing. And what good friends like when you would get on the the morning in the word podcast to just let you sit and chill and listen and just know that's where you're at. Like that, we all need friends like that. We take turns where we rotate and I was like, take me out of rotation. Yeah. You know, and I would just get on and sometimes I would, and then I would, sometimes I would speak up and it would be so negative <laughs> and they would let me have that moment. And sometimes they would correct me. Sometimes they would just let me be. And I was <laughs> You know, but they they really they when I tell you they war with me and I know they war with me in prayer because yes, I definitely you could feel it. Needed it and I could feel it. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes and that's what it is. So sometimes you just show up to a, a space where I couldn't necessarily, you know, be in serving at the church or be in the front of church, all the things I've been yeah. doing. Sometimes I could just sit in the back row. Yeah. I could only go on the sanctuary, I could only go to the back row as far as I can get, but I just did something. Mm-hmm. My flesh and did something. And he met yes. me. Whatever I did, he just, he met me there. So Yes. I, yeah, that's so beautiful. God meets us wherever. And I think we just, it, it. I think that's also in the work that we all do as social workers or in this field, in any helping field in general, like a good social worker and a godly social worker. It's the example of Jesus on on earth is we're meeting people wherever they're at. Like if they can't even walk through the door, that's fine. We'll walk outside. We'll go walk around the block. We don't ever have to step foot in, you know, it's like whatever is needed. That is. That's what we have to do. You know, I was, we were just talking about how they're saying how young people is that the generation Z are not going to church. It's like, we have to get uncomfortable and we don't get to put on our church clothes and and go to the front and be warm all that, you know, and have church. No, you're going to have to go into the streets. You're going to have to go to the people because they are not coming to the church. And not only that, you're going to have to live a life like you are a Christian outside of the church. Make them want Cause I remember having that season where, with my kids, I'm like, because one of my my youngest son has said something. He's quick to say something to make me think about it in my car. Like, what did he say? <laughs> and um, holding up the, that mirror, <laughs> right? I was like, dude, the life that I live make my kids not want to be a Christian. Am I showing them that you know the joy and the love and the hope? Or are they just seeing it as a job that I'm always serving, that I'm always working, that I'm always at church? Yes. And he got as a kid, he always had to serve. He always. <laughs> You know, so we have to be. That's so real. That's something God has really convicted me about with my kids. Is like, you know, and I think even with my parents, they were Christians and are Christians. But 
I only saw them war when when they needed to, right? When there was an issue or when they were at there at the bottom and they needed got like, you know, that's when I saw it. And I think I have played that out in my own my own walk is like I'm very vocal with my children about when we're going through a hard time or, you know, leaning on like talking about God, leaning on God outwardly talking about it with them when something's hard or when there's like spiritual warfare happening in our house that's like really strong or so so we're coming up against something demonic or whatever it is but god is like you're not showing them my goodness like you're not showing them my joy you're not showing them my like you're showing them my love but you're not like explaining it like the the goodness of god is what he really wants to teach his children and so you're right that is what people is that's what people are gonna like grasp onto and if they're not in church it's gonna be the joy the peace the love that we carry not that we can like you know slay demons out (laughs) out of someone you know it's just like that's not gonna be it necessarily so i just thank you for bringing that up because that's so true that's so true so I, I I have a question for you. Well, all of this is happening in your life because what I find amazing is that we go through these seasons with God personally, but then I don't know, as I look back on my career, it plays out in my career in some way that I didn't really notice in the moment. So I'm curious if you feel the same, if you saw that as you were going through this, there was something happening in your professional world also that God was doing if you've looked back on any patterns over the years? You know, I I think so. I think that as I went through things over the years that I was still, you know, homelessness, we, we realized there's certain things in your life that really stood out to you, right? And I think, as your childhood, and I think for me, I didn't realize the impact of homelessness had on me. Being, coming, us being homeless or moving a lot or going in and out of shelters. And so as I decided kind of what I was going to do, because originally I was going to be like a judge and I was going to be a teacher and that stuff was just falling through. And I ended up, you know, being in this housing field. So and working with people that are homeless and no matter what career I went at the housing floor, I went to just work with that. And I ended up Mm -hmm. in North Carolina and I ended up getting assigned to women. I mean, that had been or they were being dislocated. It was a Hope Six project and their housing was getting torn down. I was like, really? You know, yeah. I'm trying to figure it out here in this new state. And then same thing in Texas. I go to the Dallas Housing Authority. I'm like, look, I don't want to supervise nobody. I don't want to raise no money. I, you know, my life had been lifing and I was done. I wanted to go do my job and yeah. go home. Like you talk about the Starbucks barista. That's where I was at. <laughs> and, I, and I remember they was offering me supervise. I was like, I don't want to. I want to yeah. calculate some rent and go home. And, uh-huh. and then these clients I would get in front of me, I was like, oh. And but it just wasn't who I was. So before I knew it, what happened? I was supervising special programs of homeless people, homeless veterans, battered women, people come out of prison. Wow. So it didn't it didn't matter. It seemed like what was happening in my life, when you have a calling, you're gonna do that. Like one way or the other, guys like you're gonna do it. You know? (laughs) And so that's what would happen. So I just everything, you know, everything could just be going wrong in my life, but it didn't matter because I would show up at work and he would always show me that people that was going through something worse than I was or that I was called to. And it, yeah. and it always helped bring my life into perspective. Um, when the things happened with my dad and my, my dad, he had passed away in February. And then my grandson ended up going, in Texas ended up going into foster care. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no. 
Mm -hmm. I had to go get him out immediately right after that, like in March. And and by May, I gave notice of the house because I was driving like an hour back and forth. And I remember picking him up one day at the Boys and Girls Club. He was crying because I would get there like five minutes before they go. And he was like, I think he was coming. I said, look here, (laughs) I'll never leave you. Yeah. And and God told me at that time that I was going to pick my family first. Because I will say in this people in this career, I for years with my children, I feel like I was so busy trying to save other people's families. Yeah, come on. I, yeah, kids pay for it, and I think we have yep. to talk about that. Yes, I did we it do. My children, either I was dragging them with me to stuff they did not want to do, yep. or I was not home. And I'm very thankful for my husband who held it down at home. Yes, you know, with our children, but I I missed a lot of moments. I missed a lot of stuff, and I have to be honest to say, for years, I put my job before my family. Yeah, when I got divorced. I couldn't deal with it. We weren't even we were separated. I couldn't deal with it, and so I put myself into work. Then I had a ten year old son that was at home by mm-hmm. himself for two hours after school, struggling, getting in trouble, doing things. But I couldn't even. I was I was broken. And yeah. so when I broke what we do, we work instead of deal with it. And yes. I did all that almost on the backs of my children. And I, and I had to repent for that. And I regret that. But I remember in this moment, God was like, it's time for you to put your family first. And I gave, I went to work the next day and mm-hmm. gave notice. I had been there for like almost a decade. And they were like, what? Like I had, yeah. this, I was at the top and, you know, yeah. and I, you know, my career getting ready to, for more advancement. And I said, it's time to go. Yeah. And I, and I and when I tell you he carried me, That's... and I, I couldn't have been there. So I can't imagine going through that, still trying to figure out grieve my father, figuring out how to raise my grandson, going through all that and, and things that's happening with his parents, and then having my mom pass away. I couldn't imagine being at the job I was in. So when I tell you, we're talking about Jehovah Jireh, mm-hmm. he loaded me. God loaded yeah. me and took care of me for like two years. And I, I just look back like, I don't even see like I nothing no lack because he he'll do it and so in this you really got to find that balance you do and you're you know I'm gonna get emotional because I think this is the place that I'm in with God right now is I have given so well so it it dawned on me recently I've had about two or three dream jobs right and what I mean by that is like you get to a job and you're like, this is like what I bet this is what I'm meant to do. This is like it, you know, I'm like here, I have arrived. <laughs> and then burnout hits and it just starts the cycle all over again. And so God recently has been like, you know, like there is no dream job. Let's just get that off the table that you it's all part of the calling, right? Like it is all, there's all jobs, all these jobs, all these different roles you play throughout your career. They're all not necessarily leading up to something, but they're all just part of the calling that God has on your life. And so he's trying to reframe for me that this is like a journey, a career path is a, is truly a path. And it isn't like to get to this pinnacle point of whatever I think it it needs to be. But then the other piece of it is just like you take care of everyone else, but you're not like looking at your own household. And Mm -hmm. that is that is the hardest thing. And I am a product of parents who did amazing things in their careers and for other people and for the community, but then neglected their own home. And so I see history repeating itself and thank God God is showing me. But then 
the guilt that comes with that, I'm like, oh, you're gonna have to just take it day by day because I cannot live with this feeling of like I've neglected my children for, you know, their young lives. And so it's been something that I just wish we talked about more. And I think God is bringing me through what what that looks like and also like reframing family. And I think that's happening for a lot of us as it's interesting because I think I don't know if you see trends sometimes when you talk to other people in the field where burnout is like in a specific area. Like mm-hmm. sometimes it's like based on the system that we come up against. Sometimes it's based on the people that we're trying to support and walk alongside, but sometimes it's based on what is ever happening within our own hearts. And so I'm seeing there's a lot of heart shift for a lot of people in this field recently. And I think God is really trying to help us look inward of like, look at like before you can go change the world or the community, like you have to be able to talk to your family about me. Like you have to, I need to be the center of your family. And so that is a huge thing, especially for us as helpers, because we're just like, we want to just help everyone. (laughs) Like we're just like, whatever it takes, God, these are your people. Like, let's just, uh, let's go hard. Like, let's do it. You know, let's do the thing. However you want to use me, I'm here. But then God is like, yeah, but like, what about these family that your husband, what about this, these children I've given you what I've gifted you these things and you have to steward them. It doesn't just happen. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know what, that's so good. And that is the truth. And we have to realize that they're also a part of our purpose, right? Because I know for me, I can get to where when I talk about, get talk about my purpose and my calling, I'm usually talking about like my career or my ministry or, you know, for a while, you know, I was in children's ministry for years. Yes. That was my, I was calling to these kids because I was in church. No one ever asked me what was wrong. It took one little girl to ask me what was wrong. And I told her I was with yeah. people, I was church three times a week, you yeah. know, so I was intentional yeah. about being in children's ministry. And I would say, you okay? What's wrong? You good? And so, but sometimes I didn't even say that to my own kids. Mm-hmm. Come on. You're, yeah. You know, you good. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I had to do a lot of repentance. So if anybody's on here was still listening to this podcast with children, we have to remember that our family is also a part of our, they're part of our ministry. They're part of our calling They're you know, and they're part yes. of our purpose. And so, and we can't help other people with it with our families on the back. end, we have to bring them up forward. And I still struggle with that because like my children are adults. You know, so I'm like, okay, they grown, but they still need me. It really yeah. it just it gets harder, to tell you the truth, when they get grown because the consequences are greater. Yeah. And so I'm quick to say, I, I you know, somebody asked me, I came back up here because God told me to open this house for these young girls, and all that's the truth. But He also reminded me that my children were here, and yeah. four of my grandchildren oh, were here. Okay, yeah, so, come on. Mm-hmm. You know, and the things that they are going through. And so I wasn't just called back to help these moms, but I was also called back to my family, you know, called back to my spouse. So there were some things that I was called back here too, because the other thing that, and you might going to talk about this is then ourselves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So then we put in our families and, and, and then our, you know, our, our, our jobs and doing all this stuff, our people, and then we get burnt out. Right. 
We're not doing any self-care. I, I mean, I, I was looking at pictures of myself a year ago when I got here. You know, I opened the house and, you know, and, and I had lost all this weight and I was smiling and excited. Your hair did, nails did. Now look at me. Hair ain't done. Y'all can see me. Finger, I'm missing about six fingernails. I done gained the weight back. And and so I got it. So I'm real. With that, with that self-care, with that yeah. self Because now, because I have to realize that if I'm not wrong, right? Mm-hmm. I can do some temporary stuff, but I have to get myself together, you know, because I can't pour out of an empty cup. So yeah, yeah. It's so it's this this field is just so much. Is we got ourselves, self care, our family, yes, you know, and the people. Yes, and another thing that God is showing me recently is how much. So I I love makeup. I love get my hair done. I love the nails. I love it all. Like it just makes me feel good. And so I do it. And so what God has shown me recently is how much of that is for me and how much of that was to fit into where I was trying to go. And when I say that, so like working with youth, like typically I had noticed that when you work with young people, they really like it when you have like nice nails, your hair looks cool. You got the whole thing going on. They want to you're more relatable. And so I would do a lot more of that because I wanted to be, to get into the door, to be able to have conversations and build relationship with these young people if they wanted that. Right. And so I just can kind of continued on this, like, yeah, I look good and it's helping me like be the outreach youth worker I was. And so God has really stripped some of that away of like, do you really need to have these things to like prove now who you are in some way. No, you don't. And so now, and that's been like the past year. And so just recently, God has been like, all right, now what do you want to do for yourself that is really for you and not to look some type of way, Mm -hmm. but really something that like, is it you're getting your nails done? If it is like, go do that, but don't do it for the reasons of trying to look good for someone else. And I think that also plays into we really like our families, our our kids, our husbands don't validate and like they don't validate us like with the work we do in the community sometimes validates us. Oh, that's good. And they say it's your job, so just do it. I yes. didn't ask you <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, and thank goodness because we all I I need to be humbled, that's for sure. But one thing that God has also convicted me about is the acknowledgement that you get when you say you do this work, right? And to be able to say, I work with people who've experienced trafficking, or to be able to say, I have a house for BIPOC women, like, they are all amazing things. And as soon as you say it, you get this reaction of like, that is like, you're put on a pedestal, whether you want it to be or not. And so that is just something I think that we don't talk enough about because it's embarrassing and sometimes shameful. I mean, we don't do it for that reason, but a little bit, it just feels good. Right. And so how much of it is that and how much of it is that we aren't getting that at home. So we don't go home, (laughs) you know, that's good. I'm going to have to turn on that. (laughs) That's just something that God is really walking through me with and humbling me about, too, is that it could all be gone in an instant as well. You know, like God has brought me here, but he could someone else is 
could do this my job someone else could probably do it better and more creatively like it's not it's not because of my gifting it's because he has put me here and so that's another thing god is just like not in a mean way like i could be anyone else but you but just in a way of like i i put you here it's not necessarily all these amazing gifts that you have even though you know but it's everything i've given you so let's stay humble <laughs> so you're so right because they will move on without you you know yeah quick. yes Yes. So the other thing I wanted to ask you, because you have this house, this transitional living home, and do you find that you have brought faith into that house in a different way than you maybe would have if you had done it when you were younger? Or do you find that now as you are at this point in your life, that you're more open to talking and having those conversations with the women who are staying in the house? I think for sure. I think that I'm for I, I think I'm 46. And so I definitely have more wisdom than I did when I first started doing this work probably over 25 years ago, right? So I I'm my relationship with Christ Christ is stronger. Life has been lifing. And so I think I bring more wisdom and more knowledge to the table, right? God has been able he's he's provided me with that increase. And so I can deal with uh women a different way. An example, I remember when I first started doing advocacy and I had to be maybe like 19 and 1920 and a, a woman came in and she didn't like what I had to say. And she called me a B and I jumped up from the table and went to chase her. Right. Because all I knew is that well, now we, that those are fighting. Words. And I remember the other I older imagine. were like, stop. <laughs> no, you know, and they had to grab me because I was on my way to like y'all can have this no did y'all hear that like that was fighting words did y'all hear what she said to me you know and i would never you know, consider doing yeah. things you know so over the years i've been called that plenty of times and this and that and so i understand and i understand the anger you know i understand the hurt the grief that that i had to go through over the last few years i needed that to deal with the women that i'm called to you know, because before when I thought, you know, I remember me and Jody, we were talking about this. She was my teen mom teacher who was doing this with me. And, you know, the teen moms that I went to high school with, you know, we we might we drank. We had attitude problems. We, we thought we knew everything. We thought we were good parents and we weren't, you know, had some mm-hmm. anger issues. And so I was ready for that. And even with, with my other work in housing, I was ready for, you know, the domestic violence and some of that stuff. What I was not prepared for was just this compounded trauma on top of that when it comes to the mental illness, when it comes to the sex traffic, and when it comes to the drug addiction. I had no idea the drug addiction. And then you have fentanyl on top of that. Mm -hmm. And and then people, you know, and but they're still mothers and they still are great mothers and they still deserve to have children. And so I was not prepared for that. And so, and so we're dealing with all of that, the emotions that come out of all that, mm-hmm. the anger and the sadness and yes. the, all of that, I, I have to stay full to walk in there. You know, yep. I have yes. to constantly, I have to be walking through that house praying. I have to, I, when I go out of yes, town, yes, yes. I came back, I'm like, it don't feel good in here. I started snatching windows open yep. and, you know, ran in doorways and pleading the blood because of so many spirits, you know, but with yes. everything they're going through. And so I couldn't yep. have did that when I started, you know, 
I wouldn't know that now. And, and I'm like, it don't feel good in here. And they're like, what? I'm like, mm, you know, and so I'm definitely more bold with that. And I work with BIPOC people. So I work with, you know, indigenous women and, and I'm really trying to respect their culture, yeah, their beliefs and what they do, but they know yes. who I am. Yes. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I believe in you. And I try to show that. And I try to, um, but I also respect their culture and their beliefs. So I know who Absolutely. you are. I know who I am. But you know, my goal at the end of the day is to win them for Christ. Yes. And so they, so they, you know, I want them to say, okay, so this guy, you have this peace because of this guy. You have this joy because of that guy. Yeah. You do this because of that. And I want them to. So they know, you know. And so I, I'm going to church who want to go, you know. And some weeks nobody want to go. Some weeks I got three girls with me. You yes. Know? That's what I do. And so I have to show Christ outside the church. And and I'm really having to to practice that. So I think that, that I couldn't have did that before. So I but I can do that now. I'm more bold, I guess, with it now. You know, before I remember when I first got saved, right? And I was on fire for Christ and all this stuff. And I was still in the same field. And they were like, Well, you got federal funding, you can't do this, you can't bring this into the mm-hmm. workplace. So I'm even very careful about my funding. Because who I am yes. now, I have to walk away. And so I'll be like, I see this. And so some of this stuff, like I've been, I've been noticing that I've been applying for stuff through the state. And I'm like, I need to watch exactly what that, yep. who, who's that coming from? You know what I mean? Yes. Because getting to yes. a whole different thing. And, and, that, and, and who I am today, I would just have to say, well, y'all can have it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, that's real. That's real. It's so funny because I, I, I would talk about God with young people I worked with, but I wasn't out there like talking about God, you know, and I will say in the work that I did, it was always God would show me what was happening with the people as I was working with them. Like, you know, it might be like, I, they were like really quiet one day and then I would just start praying like, God, what is going on with this person? And he would clearly tell me, well, this and this and this happened. And I would kind of test the waters to see if I was hearing right. And without fail, it would be like, yep, this is what happened. This is like what happened over the weekend or whatever it was. And so I was walking with God in my work in that way. But I was not bold enough to just straight up be like, you want to come to church with me? Like I had a few youth who loved God and would want to talk about their walk with God. And I was open to that. But with the other young people I worked with, if it didn't come up, I would never um, broach the subject. And so God dealt has dealt with me on that because I just think I did a huge, just not a huge disservice, but I did a disservice, right? Because that is his heart. And I wasn't fully sharing his heart the way he wanted it to be for these people that I was working with. I didn't steward it well. And so I keep praying about it and trying to think, you know, how I can do things differently now And a piece of that is coming into what I would call what you do now. It's a ministry. Like, it's not just a social service. I mean, it is a social service job, but it is also a ministry. When you are a believer, it's a ministry. And so, like, one thing that you and me and our friend that we've done Bible study with have talked about is, like, like, like God's calling me to preach. I don't necessarily want to be a preacher (laughs) or a pastor and you two were like, but we're pastors. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? We have our ministry. You, we, we, we you have are, pastors. I went to 
before I have my ministry license, I don't have to wear my badge, but that's, you know, that's who I am. Yes. And so it, that shifted something that like, okay, I don't have to be up on a stage okay. preaching or anything like that, but I, I want to be in ministry and it, it's a lot more appealing where it can be just sharing your heart one-on-one with people that you work with or however that looks like, like you are doing. And so I remember about six months ago, I finally just surrendered to God and was like, if a ministry is what you have for me, I'll take it. And God was like, but you can't even share about me on Facebook, yo. Like, let's get real. Like, You have to be able to share about me to do my ministry. Like, it doesn't just work where I'm in your heart and you just never say anything to anyone else. Like, that's not how the light shines. And so that is something that I and part of why I'm doing this this podcast is to step into that. But I just admire you and your work so much. And I can see the openness. And when I come into the house, you can feel it. Like God is there. And I know they feel it too. I know the people, the young parents and the and the kids in that house feel it. To God be the glory. You know, you can tell the difference when you walk into a house that's been prayed in and when it's not. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm very intentional. I've always been intentional about that, even in my own house. Yes. You know, and now dealing with so many different spirits, I got to stay prayed up, you know, because yeah. it, it catches up to you. And Can so you explain have, a little bit about that. What do you mean when you say different spirits? You I know, think I know what you mean, but I would love yeah, to explain. You know, I feel like the people come into with different with different spirits. Even after having a conversation with somebody yesterday, I'm like, that spirit on her, which is just of hopelessness, right? People coming with spirits of hopelessness, of of anger, of 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 hatred, of of depression. You know what I mean? Of all the things, and it's not surprising why they have them. But and them things can jump on you, and they thing you know you're being negative and you're hopeless mm-hmm. and you can't sleep and all these things. And so you know, and I say this is called Annie's House of Refuge and Restoration, and that's what it will be. And so, um, and so I'm just intentional about opening the windows about. It, when it, if, if I'm lighting a candle or, or or doing a diffuser or whatever, I'm bringing the light. They know that I will pray my praise and worship music and my praise music when I'm in the office, the doors open and they gonna hear it. Okay. <laughs> yes. But I also, I, but I'm also like, but they are also here. Whitney Houston, I want to dance with somebody, you yep. know. And so it don't. Yeah. I'm I, I'm st- I'm very relatable, you know. So I I can play both. But uh, I heard one girl walking down the hall a couple weeks ago, and I forgot what. What, what had just happened? She was like, oh, I forgot this is a Christian home. And she was being sarcastic. And I said, yes, it is. You know? And so they know. They'll, I'll find, they'll find themselves cussing in front of me, which I don't mind. You know, as long as you ain't cussing at me, yes. I But they yeah. will pop up like, oh, my bad. Because they know I don't do it. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so I just, I teach them how I'm trying to just, I'm trying to be a role model of, first of all, you can overcome this, mm-hmm. you know? My goal is to go from homeless to homeowners, from from hope from ho- like hopeless to hopeful, from harm to heal. Right? Yes, yes, so yes. We have to. We have to. So I'm very intentional just about about modeling that. Yeah. You know. And so I, I sense I sense scripture, and I'll send something just inspirational as well. The stuff in my office, it, it might say you can do hard things. I got a pillow with scripture on. I got a scripture above my desk. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I, I have to say it, but I create environments. I'm very intentional. They get so upset about 
uh, that, that I want that the house needs to stay clean and this and that. So that's other reasons because you need to learn how to take care of home because we're going to be building your home. I need to be able to give you a good reference. But also I'm trying to t- help you to, to ha- be able to come home to peace. Yeah. Because the world out there, when y'all come in there from treatment and social workers and court, yeah. I want you to walk into a house that is clean, that feels yeah. good, that is peaceful. So I'm also modeling how to create an environment to still life can be life is gonna keep life, in, but you can create an environment that's full of love, joy, peace. You know, I always say, welcome home when you get there. I'm glad you're here. Yes. Oh, so that's beautiful. I feel like but that's I have to be so intentional about. It. That's relevant for any of us. We are the models for that. And it's not just in how we talk and walk, but it's in our environment, you know, how clean we are or how we're keeping and stewarding the things that we have in our house. Yeah. And I was talking to one of the girls the other day and I'm like, I'm not talking about toys on the floor. Like I'm not talking about living. I love when I come in and I'm tripping over a little toy and my office is full of toys. It's full. I got toys and books and I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about kids living in joy, but I'm talking about dirty dishes all over the whole house. Yeah. Paper wrappers, cans left. No, we're not going to live like that. You know, we're not going to live like that. And so even, even if you're not my kids, you know, they'll, even if it's just your closet, like you can't deal with the whole house right now because you're going through depression. You're going to have one space that you can go in and, yes, you know. But it's just that modeling. I really got yes. his really showed me how we can just model some things. We can just model some things and and pray, you know. Amen. Oh, I love that so much. I love that so much. Well, as we close out, what I would really love to hear is: is there anything in this season that we're in? And in here in Minnesota, we're, I feel like just coming out of winter, I guess, but I'm, I mean more, I guess, in the spiritual sense of what is God showing you or telling you for this season right now? You know, I'm really have been just looking at the world as a whole, right? And just seeing all the, all the violence, all the trauma. And I've just been really in a season like just to pray for our world and to pray for our nation. I'm really realizing that life is short. I'm thinking about what life is going to be like for my grandchildren, you know, and just the violence. And so we were on our bobsled this morning and someone was like, you know, this is, you know, this is the not to be extremist, but they she's like, this is what is in the Bible. This is like the end of times. And so that has just really been on my heart about what kind of world is this going to be for my grandchildren? you know, and, and for my children. And so that's just kind of it. Like just the mental health and the violence. And I'm just like, Jesus, help. I can't, I don't want to look at the TV and see another. I'm from Texas, right? I lived in Allen, Texas. And so that's really on my heart right now because I've been to that shopping center several times. My nephew was driving by it, you know? And so, and then just to see these children, and it's um, heartbreaking. And you're talking just so our listeners know you're talking about the the shooting that took place in Allen, Texas. Yes. And 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 you know, eight other people, how many of them are children? Like five? Yes. And then yeah. they're in the hospital. And then yeah. they're all these children of color. Yeah. And the shoot is a person of color. So this this stuff is not is unusual. And so that's just yeah. really a my, that's really just on my heart about the laws and the world. Yes. And, it's heartbreaking. And it's, I think when we talk about family, I see just so much attack on children 
like in every way, like literal attacks, policy being put into place, just things that are Satan is out to get our children. Like that's just the end of it. And so that's been on my heart too. And I think a lot of many people who are feeling the same way. And so just the importance of praying over our children and praying protection over every child in this country and also just actually stepping into some action mm-hmm. some action as well and it goes back to what we we're talking about earlier about our families and our children yes. remember that we are blessed with them we are called to them our purpose and so we have to you don't want to have no regret yeah. like that was the biggest thing i've learned in, in my grief journey is you just don't want to have no regret and so if you have somebody in your life that you haven't talked to, that you want to eventually talk to, talk to them, forgive them, mm-hmm. reconcile them, children who are not talking to their parents. You know, it you used to think that if your parents are older, but now you can, parents who are not talking to your children, we can't just assume that people is going to be here tomorrow. And, yes. you know, I feel like I'm sounding like an old person because I remember my grandmother them say that. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, you're just old now. I'm like, now I'm not. <laughs> No, it's true. It's more real now than it was when she was saying it, but it was probably real then. I don't know. Yeah. I think too, what God just keeps showing me is that the, the purpose, the greater purpose of family is to really, and I think he's bringing like healing to families in this season is really what I keep seeing is like a deliverance of the family system as a whole, almost like a connecting reconnection of families. And also just the purpose of family is to be the church on earth. And I think we've gotten it wrong because we put the church as being the salt and light of the earth, but I think it's the family system. And so God is really honing in. Well, thank you. (laughs) I don't know. We're a great note to end on, but I think a necessary note to end on. So thank you so much. Well, maybe we could just pray out. Yes. Would yeah. you mind doing that for us? Yeah. So, Father God, we just love and you. We honor you. We exalt you. We praise you. We thank you for the opportunity just to have this conversation. We thank you for being who you are because it does not matter what's going on in the world. Nothing is greater. Nothing is higher than you. We know that you can do all things, that you are a miracle worker, and that's what we need in this season. You are a promise keeper, and so for that, we give you glory. Repeat the blood of Jesus over our nation over our children, over our world, God, in the name of Jesus. But we know that no matter what we see, that nothing is too hard for you. We thank you for the purpose and the calling that you have on our lives, God. We thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to serve, God, and help others, but help us not ever to forget our own families, God. Show us how to be the wives and the mothers and the fathers and the siblings and the aunties that you have called us to be. We love you. We honor you. We exalt you God and it's in your mighty name we pray amen amen thank you so much Deanna for being here and we will have all your information in the notes so you can reach out to Deanna on her website and that information will be below so thank you so much and I'm sure I'll have you back thanks for listening to the prophetic justice podcast before you go show some love by leaving a review subscribing to the show and sharing this episode with a friend You can connect with me on IG at Prophetic Justice Podcast or by email at propheticjusticepodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out the show notes.